Choose Your Princess Wisely, a Good Omens multivoice podfic written by the Wolf. Chapter 7 An Interlude in London, Part 2 Have you heard of any kingdoms that need claiming? Crowley asks once Aziraphale has left the cottage to run some errands. He declared a day's rest to prepare for the next quest, since Aziraphale said they'll actually have to do a fair amount of walking and camping to reach the next destination, even with using the boots to cheat. Anathema looks up from star charts she's referencing for some location spell or other and stares into the middle distance, looking preemptively done with his line of inquiry. Any swords lodged in great boulders? Sacred crowns smouldering in dank caves? Airless kingdoms hosting auditions? He persists, levering himself up onto the wooden worktop and traping himself in the middle of her maps and notes like a scaly cat. I thought you already had a kingdom, O oh great and wise prince. She says finally, voice sweetly poisonous. Tired of the sublet situation, he says flippantly, looking for a more permanent homestead. A smile spreads across her face, until it shows a rather terrifying amount of teeth. Crowley eyes them warily. You like him, she accuses. He stretches a coil out, menacing a piece of paper close to the edge of the table. He's a soft, gullible, self-sacrificing hero type, a spectacular mark, who throws magical heat like a bloody stove. What's not to like? She shakes her head, looking mildly incredulous. No, you like like him. Well, that's juvenile. You don't want him to know you're lying, she says over him, blatantly ignoring his deflections, which, rude. Are you seriously planning to find a whole new castle and hope he doesn't notice the difference? She gasps. Do you actually want to marry him? Hold on, I think you're jumping to a lot of conclusions right now. He protests, unable to help a shifting squirm that rustles the papers on the table. This isn't going the way he hoped it would, though in hindsight he's not sure why he thought it would have gone any other way. Crowley, she says sternly, going so far as to place her hands on her hips. You need to tell him the truth. Truth is relative he says flippantly. If I'm a licensed prince by the time we finish the quests, will it really have been a lie? Yes, she says, with far too many syllables for the word. There isn't a loophole here for you to exploit, Crowley. The moment you chose to use him as a mark, you betrayed him. Well, yeah, that is one way to look at it, he concedes. But... Look, I think he likes me well enough. I'd even say we're friends. He's not friends with you. She snaps. He's friends with Prince Antony. 
I am Prince Anthony. No, you're a lying serpent demon with hundreds of years of lying under your lying scales. He thinks you're a human trapped in a snake's body with a kingdom to run. That's just history. He protests, agitation making him tense and loosen his body in undulating patterns. I'm still me when we talk. You've seen it, he insists. I don't act all that different with him than I do with you, Newt. Except for the embarrassing crush, she says repressively. Oh, stuff it, he hisses, abruptly deciding he's done with the conversation. It was a mistake to think Anathema would help. She's made her opinion on this whole thing clear from the start. Crowley, she says with a sigh, as he lowers the front half of him from the table to the floor. It's not that I don't sympathize. You two are sweet together, she admits. But that doesn't change that whatever connection you two have is built on lies. The only way you can salvage this is to come clean, apologize, and hope he forgives you. He shudders. Admit wrongdoing? Apologize? Not something he's had much practice in when it wasn't in active service of a con. And besides, other than the prince thing, it's not like he's been doing all that much lying. Maybe a heavy dose of omitting the truth, but... Okay, yeah, fine. He's a lying liar. But he's just doing what he needs to do. He'll be damned before he goes crawling back to the squirming underbelly of the fey realm. And it's not easy to get on in the human world without opposable thumbs. This is just survival, and as Anathema knows perfectly well, he has his own brand of morals he follows. Aziraphale is just surprising as all. Crowley hasn't felt this comfortable and companionable with someone in a long while, and it's making the ruthlessly quashed ethics corner of his brain itch. No, like he told Anathema at the beginning of all this, he's too close to succeed to risk it. Maybe once he has his body secured, and the jig is officially up, he can Think about trying to make it up to the hero. See if he can salvage anything from the admitted record she knows he's speeding toward creating. I'll think about it. He lies as he makes his way toward the staircase to take a nap. From the groaning sigh Anathema gives behind him, oh. he's pretty sure she doesn't believe him. What you doing, Angel? Prince Anthony draws from behind, and Aziraphale jumps guiltily. He turns from where he's been laying hands, so to speak, on the horseshoe hanging above the cottage door. Just a top off, he says, and resolutely doesn't remove his hand as he coaxes the cold iron to ignore the favorites of him and focus on the seven sunbits instead. Hmm, what for? The prince asks, stretching up until he can hook his upper body onto the window planter 
and hoist himself up to be more on a level. While the princess backed off from nagging him how much magic he's using, what he's started instead is asking questions. Because it's a bit worn down. Let me rephrase. Why are you, in particular, doing this instead of Anathema? Or the guild? Don't they have a whole system worked out for keeping each other's warts tip-top? Aziraphale eyes him warily, but while Anthony's tone is certainly judgmental, it also seems genuinely baffled. Well, because I can, and she's a friend, and friends do nice things for each other. She's letting us stay with her after all. Yes, Anthony says patiently, and we are paying her very good money for the privilege. And yet I've seen you do more chores than her boyfriend and perform at least two or three little charms or power renewals every time we've been back. I don't see her tucking extra tonics in your bag or baking you treats or what have you. Aziraphale turns astonished eyes on him. Well, I certainly wouldn't expect her to. She's quite busy and has her finances to think of. So do you, the prince points out, sounding even more confused. Why are you doing more for her than she's doing for you? I don't take you for someone to dangle a debt. Oh, gracious, of course not. It's not about keeping score. He frowns down at the prince. My goodness, is everything so measured in your kingdom? Don't friends just do for each other because they can? Because they like to? The prince stills and then tilts his head consideringly. Yeah, that's fair. I might be a bit biased in the kingdom where I grew up. It's not really safe to let someone do you a favor. It's always a debt in disguise. Aziraphale frowns even harder, feeling his heartstrings tug. Oh, my, how stressful. How well, how very fey. The prince hems and haws for a minute before settling on... Close borders and all that. Well, I like doing nice things for my friends. It's a little reminder for them and for myself that they can count on me. The prince squirms uncomfortably, though taking care not to crush the sage in the planter. Sure, just... Look, I'm really not trying to be an ass about this, just... It was the same with the youngs. Do they need so many reminders? Even taking my probable bias into account, it seems... unbalanced. Aziraphale's immediate impulse is to dismiss the concern. The poor boy just admitted to growing up in quite a ruthless-sounding environment. Hopefully not something that endures in his kingdom, for his eventual partner's sake, if nothing else. But Anthony is looking up at him with such patience, Aziraphale can't help but give his questions due consideration. When he thinks back on their time at the cottage over the past week, 
he realizes with a bit of a shock that it hasn't only been the two or three boosts or charms the prince has evidently seen. He looks down at his hands in bemusement. Is this part of why he's been running so low on reserves for so long? Not just the constant questing, but all the little nothings he's been doing along the way. A steady leak of power. I... Aziraphale starts and then pauses, disgruntled, as he tries to find the words. I suppose I hadn't noticed how much it had become. You might be right. I might be overdoing it. Overdoing what? Anathema asks, coming to the door. I'm expecting a client soon, so you two either need to head up or head out until dinner. Anthony tips his head up at the enter. He juiced your horseshoe. Anathema looks up, frowning, and Aziraphale feels unaccountably caught out. He hadn't intended for her to notice so immediately. Aziraphale, you didn't have to do that, she says, sounding bewildered. Janice's new apprentice is coming by tomorrow. She was going to do it as part of her work study. She looks back into the house, eyes starting around, and says vaguely, I suppose I can find something else for her to do. The bottom drops out of Aziraphale's stomach. Oh, he says faintly. He's not only done something unuseful, he's actively made Anathema's life more difficult. Something must show on his face, because Anathema rubs a hand briefly up and down his upper arm. Don't worry about it, she says. But maybe just relax, hmm? You're already paying me. Don't feel like you have to work, too. She bustles back inside with a swish of skirts, leaving Aziraphale feeling caught out. After a moment staring after her, formless anxiety swirling up into the twist of his fingers, he feels a weight press lightly down on his shoulder. He reaches up automatically and then jerks his hand away when he registers it's just the prince, reaching up and out from the planter to assume a perch on his shoulders. Anthony drapes long loops of his body down Aziraphale's back and chest like a living livery collar. The weight of it is grounding, and Aziraphale focuses on it as he waits for the prince to finish his relocation. All right. Anthony asks, quite and casual, as he settles. Aziraphale nods, tight-lipped. He sees the prince nod back in the periphery of his vision. You heard her, Anthony says lightly. Up or out? Out, I should think, Aziraphale says after a moment, still feeling a little breathless but the kind that comes from feeling yourself caught back from almost zipping off an unexpectedly steep drop. Let's get you a pastry, Anthony says decisively. Lecturing horseshoes is hungry work, isn't it? Aziraphale knows it's a diversion, but it's effective. Not especially, he says mildly. Then again, a pastry does sound good right about now. Oh, fine. We can take tea at that lovely place by the park. Anthony thumps his tail against his breastbone like a friendly shoulder clap. 
Lead on, Angel. <laughs>